It's the Media Buzz Meter with Howard Kurtz. In the blink of an eye, the media coverage about Andrew Cuomo turned from what did he do and how bad was it to how can he possibly survive? It was astonishing yesterday to watch the support crumble away, the remaining support that the New York governor had after the release of this state attorney general's investigative report, 165 pages, 11 women, sexual harassment, allegations of groping, of retaliation. I'll get into more of the details. It was just breaking yesterday as I was doing the podcast. But in a space of a few short hours, um, the governor of New York was left sort of politically homeless. It was fellow Democrats that are trying to push him out of office, all the way to President Biden, who took some uh, questions from reporters, Uh, right after giving a speech about vaccines, and he was boxed in. He had said months ago, if the investigation finds credible evidence, then Cuomo should resign. It was a typical politician's way of buying time. Well, obviously, given the devastating and detailed and graphic nature of uh, Attorney General Letitia James's report about Cuomo, um, CNN's Caitlin Collins asked Biden. At first, you could see he didn't want to give a sound, but he says, well, I stand by what I said. And then she pressed him again, and he said, yes, he should resign. So you have a Democratic president asking the Democratic governor of the nation's largest state to step down. Also, you have Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, saying Cuomo should step down. And those two families have been friends for 40 years. And you have New York's two Democratic senators. Chuck Schumer happens to be the majority leader and Kirsten Gillibrand saying Cuomo should step down. And you have uh, the Speaker of the New York State Assembly, Carl Hasty, who was one time was an ally of Governor Cuomo, uh, saying he should step down and talking about beginning impeachment proceedings. So it is hard to find. You even have the neighboring governors who Cuomo has worked with over the years, Democratic governors in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Rhode Island, issuing a joint statement saying step down. Members of the New York congressional delegation step down. Now, none of this means that Andrew Cuomo has to step down. Uh, It's the last thing on earth that he wants to do. It's in his DNA. He's a fighter. We have seen that. But it's also been joined by the media. Uh, even um, news organizations and even columnists sympathetic to Andrew Cuomo, who remember, I mean, I can't say this enough, 16 months ago, he was lionized by the press. He was turned into a superhero. He was the anti-Trump. Donald Trump was downplaying and deflecting questions about COVID, and Andrew Cuomo was having those briefings that gave him an Emmy, and the media were all over him. He was constantly booked on television. Uh, He was, there was even, I found some clips yesterday, I did this uh, package on this last night for Special Report, and I've got a whole much more detailed column about it on foxnews.com today, uh, where there was this movement, uh, some people even saying that Cuomo should make a late bid for the Democratic presidential nomination, which by that time, March, you know, Joe Biden had, had wrapped up in reality, but not mathematically, or that Biden should pick him as the running mate. There was a serious Cuomo for VP, imagine if that had happened, uh, VP movement, even though uh, Biden had said he was going to choose a black running mate. Uh, a lot of people saying, no, you should pick Governor Cuomo. And then today, editorial page, New York Times, Cuomo must resign. From the report, says the Times, for which investigators interviewed 179 witnesses, gathered more than 74,000 pieces of evidence. 
First, Mr. Cuomo may yet face legal consequences for alleged actions, which include a year-long pattern, years-long pattern of unwelcome and unconsensual touching, offensive comments, and other improper behavior toward 11 women. Second, says the New York Times, regardless of what may happen in a court of law, the governor has only one conscionable option left. He should resign. Goes on to say that Cuomo has always had a self-serving streak and is known for his political bullying. I have more to say about that in a moment. And he's used those traits to be an effective politician, says the Times. He's gotten a lot of things done, but we can't go get past these allegations. If he cares about the well-being of his state, he should step down. Washington Post editorial page. There was any doubt about Mr. Cuomo's fitness to continue in office, it was removed with the details of his treatment of women and the toxic culture of the governor's executive chamber that enabled the harassment to occur. It is dispiriting to read in the report how the governor's staff, acting out of either loyalty or fear, cosseted the governor and enabled his behavior. Gannett's 12 newspapers in New York State say Cuomo should resign. And you go to the websites. HuffPost, the walls are closing in. Salon, it's time to kick Cuomo to the curb. Talking Points Memo, Cuomo wants you to know he's creepy around everyone. Uh, Don Lemon, damning. Now, a lot of people are saying today, well, how could Chris Cuomo, his brother on CNN, not have talked about this? Well, it's an absolutely no-win situation. You know, when all of this came out and there was a Washington Post story, which was confirmed by the AG's report, that um, Chris Cuomo, the primetime CNN host, had joined in damage control calls with his brother, the governor, and top officials. Um, CNN said, oh, it was inappropriate, but didn't take any action against Cuomo. Cuomo went on the air, apologized. He put his colleagues in a bad light. And, and he's, he says, I, I'm not covering it. I can't cover it. So, of course, he can't cover it. Of course, he can't talk about it. But it does show you because Chris Cuomo is actually mentioned in the report as having emailed a draft statement of denial to one of his brother's top aides. Now, it's not clear whether Chris Cuomo wrote this or he had done some editing on it, but clearly that statement, as it appears in Chris Cuomo's email, is very close to what Governor Cuomo actually issued. And it said things like, you know, I realize these interactions may have appeared insensitive, you know, trying to kind of strike the right tone. Well, I think that's even worse than joining in damage control calls. Of course he's going to talk to his brother. The family is extraordinarily close. The brothers are extraordinarily close, which, of course, makes everyone think of the time back when he was riding high, when Andrew Governor appeared repeatedly on Chris Cuomo's CNN show, and Chris even appeared at a New York State briefing held by the governor, appeared by video, of course. Um, So that's another element to this story. But I do want to get into some of the details here because I read through, you know, everything, including the footnotes. And if I was thinking about this, if it was just one woman or let's say two women who were making these allegations, I think you'd have more defenders for Andrew Cuomo. You'd have more questions raised about the women and their motivations and their backgrounds. In fact, the first woman to come forward, and this was widely ignored, was Lindsay Boylan. Uh, she wrote a piece on the website Medium saying Cuomo had harassed her, wouldn't take any questions. A lot of people thought, well, who is this woman? Does she have an axe to grind? Uh, She wanted to run for office. And so at that time, we now have learned, confirmed by Tish James, that there was an effort 
her confidential memos about her performance in state government were pulled by the governor's office. Uh, there was an op-ed drafted that Andrew Cuomo very much wanted to run, but was talked out of it by his aides. That information, confidential personnel information, was shared with at least one reporter. Again, this is recording according to the AG's report. Um, but it's not one woman. Woman. It's not two women. It's 11 different women. And so here are some examples. One of them is executive assistant number one. Uh, she has never been named publicly. She has never gone to any authorities. It was people who worked with her, her superiors, who uh, gave this account originally to the Albany Times Union. She says Cuomo grabbed her butt, gave her unwanted kisses. At one point, quote, reached under her blouse and grabbed her breast. There is state trooper number one. This is a woman who's just, you know, an officer assigned to his protective detail. She says at one point while she was holding the door open for him in an event, he ran his hand across her stomach from her belly button to her right hip, and she felt completely violated. There's Charlotte Bennett. She was the second accuser. She was the one who the New York Times, to its credit, interviewed extensively, and then she went on CBS with Nora O'Donnell, and she was on again last night. I'll get to that in a second. She says Cuomo propositioned her, and she texted a friend, this is in real time, going to burst into tears. Yes, like shaking. I'm so upset and so confused. Um, and then there's, you know, in this report, it talks about the aides around Cuomo, his top, top officials of New York state government. A former aide texted a current Cuomo staff member. This was after Charlotte Bennett's account came out. It's crazy that if you or I did what is alleged, we'd be fired on the spot, no questions asked. And it would be the right thing, too. And the current Cuomo official responded, that's the damn truth. And there was talk about them trying to keep him away, being alone with women. There was one young woman who we thought was pretty, who he met in a chance encounter, immediately had her hired for $120,000 a year, which... Everybody laughed about it because it was so high, such a high salary compared to, you know, her level of experience. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Cuomo's defense. You know, HuffPost called it a press conference. No, it's a press conference when you take questions from the press. It's a videotaped statement. And by and large, he was defiant. By and large, I think it was tone deaf. What if he had said, you know, I realize now, with the benefit of hindsight, what I did was wrong. I was trying to be a nice guy. I went way too far. And as a result, I am not going to run for re-election next year. Would the tone of the coverage be any different? Instead, he, at one point, Governor Cuomo said, well, this is basically all politics. Uh, yeah, it's a Democratic attorney general who did this report. Some people say Tish James wants to run for governor. She may, she may not. I don't know. Um, also, he took a swipe at the press. Trial by newspaper or biased reviews are not the way to find the facts in this matter. Well, Cuomo is the one who asked for the AG's investigation as a way of buying time and hoping he would skate and the findings wouldn't be that bad. So then take a swipe at the press coverage, I don't think makes any sense. Um, he talked about, you know, yes, I hug and kiss people all the time. I hug and kiss men and women. I say ciao bella. Uh, I, sometimes I slip, he said, and I say honey or darling or sweetheart. And they ran this photo montage. And probably some people watching thought this was the television networks. No, this was a package put together of Cuomo hugging and kissing various politicians, people he was comforting, natural disasters and so forth, and showing others doing it as well. But that's not the point. He acts like it's all one big Italian family. The point is these particular women were made uncomfortable. They all say so. 
most of them on the record now in interviews with state investigators. Whether you did it uh, with somebody at a wedding or somebody uh, you know, who, who lost their house to a flood or you did it with your fellow politicians does not matter. And then he did apologize in particular to Charlotte Bennett. And this I found hard to watch. He said, yes, I said all kinds of things to her that I ordinarily would not say to a woman working for me, such as, uh, you know, uh, how is your sex life and are you able to be in a positive relationship and all that. The reason he did that, says Cuomo, is that she confided in him that she was a sexual assault survivor. And then Cuomo said that he had a family member, might have been his daughter, I couldn't quite tell, who had been sexually assaulted in high school and that he had tried so hard to comfort her and he couldn't make the pain go away. And so now he was doing the same thing with Charlotte Bennett. He realizes it was wrong. In both cases, he wasn't able to be effective. And it just came across as deflection. He shouldn't, of course, have been saying, having such personal conversations with a woman who worked for him, with a woman who was scared, as many people were scared, of crossing him, of possibly losing her job. And and I think the final takeaway here may be that one of the reasons that Andrew Cuomo has few allies now is he is a tough son of a gun. He is a guy, I mean, Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York, is on TV today saying he should resign today, and they've hated each other for a long, long time. So, of course, de Blasio is loving this. But he says all these petty retaliations, threatening to withhold funding, threatening to attack me, once demanded that I fire my press secretary, who had issued a statement criticizing the governor. He says, I've lived with this, and every politician in New York has lived with this for a long time. Well, when you have that style, the arm twisting in your face, political bullying, there's no other word for it, it's what happens is when you get in trouble, there's not a lot of goodwill left. There's not a lot of people who are willing to rally to your side um, because you've crossed everybody in trying to get things done. I'm sure Andrew Cuomo rationalizes this to himself. I mean, I, I met him years and years ago when he was um, doing a project while his father, Mario Cuomo, was governor. And he's always been ambitious and, and hard-nosed and all of that. And when some, a politician gets things done with that style, we say this is great. Uh, he knows how to, you know, break the eggs and make an omelet. And when a politician crosses the line in his personal interactions with people, I mean, reporters do this because he called reporters and yelled at them. Um, I've had Mario uh, upset with me, but never he, he never sort of went after reporters in quite the same way that Andrew Cuomo does. So all of this is adding up to a picture. And the question now is, I thought, you know what, no matter what this report says, he will find a way to hang on. No one can make him resign. But... If, in fact, the state assembly goes forward with impeachment, and if, in fact, it looks like uh, they have the votes to impeach him, then Cuomo may have no choice. He can quit or be impeached. And he did quit once before when he ran for governor um, for the first time and um, was clearly going to lose the primary. Uh, he dropped out. Uh, I think he'll, he'll hang on for a while, but when you've got everybody from Joe Biden on down saying you should go, the media saying you should go, liberal champions saying you should go, Democratic allies saying you should go. At some point, it is fair for the people of New York State to say, how can you govern this state? How can you be effective? And one other quick note here. Uh, New York has never had a female governor. But if, in fact, Andrew Cuomo either resigns or is impeached and convicted, Kathy Hochul, who is the lieutenant governor, will become governor. And then she would undoubtedly run for election on her own uh, next year. She was briefly a congresswoman. She is um, from the Buffalo area. 
she put out a statement yesterday saying sexual harassment is unacceptable in any workplace. I believe these brave women and admire their courage coming forward, but did not call for Andrew Cuomo to resign. Obviously, it would seem self-serving, and she did. She has not taken questions from the press, at least on camera, since January. So she's, she's kind of like in Jerry Ford's position when Richard Nixon's presidency was in jeopardy. Uh, she has to prepare herself for the possibility that tomorrow she could become governor, and at the same time, she doesn't want to have to take questions from the press or appear to be doing anything that would hasten that outcome, which, of course, would seem to be in her political self-interest. So that's where the Cuomo saga stands right now. Don't go anywhere. More Buzzmeter coming your way in just a moment. All right, what else is going on? President Biden yesterday took uh, quite a shot at a couple of Republican governors on the question of vaccines. The president made another speech urging people to get vaccinated in the Q&A with reporters, the same Q&A where he said, yes, Andrew Cuomo should step down. Um, Biden said the following, I say to these governors, please help. But if you aren't going to help, at least get out of the way. People are trying to do the right thing. Use your power to save lives. Now, he specifically was asked about Ron DeSantis in Florida and Greg Abbott in Texas. DeSantis had issued an executive order last week prohibiting schools from requiring masks. Abbott signed an order banning any local government or state agency from mandating vaccines. Biden was asked specifically about Ron DeSantis in Florida and Greg Abbott in Texas. Governor DeSantis had just signed an order last week uh, barring schools from requiring masks. Uh, Governor Abbott had issued an order banning local government or state agencies from mandating vaccines. And so the president said their decisions are not good for their constituents. Now, that's relatively restrained rhetoric. And I think it's clear here, as the Washington Post points out, that Biden was trying to avoid, you know, getting into a, uh, shall we say, pissing match with a couple of prominent Republican governors. And those two states, by the way, account for a lot of this surge in the coronavirus. We're up to an average of about 95,000 new cases a day. You know, when it was 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, 50,000, I said, this is not going in a good direction. He said, well, you know, it's nothing, you know, compared to the peak of the pandemic. Well, now it's getting to be almost half of that peak. And in the hot spots, there are some hospitalization problems. So that's not a good number, 95,000 new cases a day. Um, but I think the Biden White House and the president are frustrated. They need to get more shots in people's arms, and they see these governors using their platforms. By the way, the Republican governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson, said yesterday he regretted having pushed through a bill barring mask mandates He because Arkansas is also one of these states where the virus, the Delta variant, is surging. And he says, I wish that had not become law. It is rare for a politician to admit a giant mistake like that. Nevertheless, that's what the governor did. But anyway, I think Biden doesn't want to turn it into a red state versus blue state, uh, R versus D battle, because then it's harder for him to reach the people who are the R's, who are the conservatives, who are the Trump voters. But Biden was supportive of what Bill de Blasio has now done in New York City. The mayor has issued an order saying if you want to go eat in a restaurant, if you want to work out in a gym or fitness center, if you want to go to an entertainment center, um, you have to show proof of vaccination. Uh, Here's his quote. When I hear those words, I want you to imagine the notion that because someone's vaccinated, they can do all the amazing things that are available in the city. And that's where I see a lot of um, places starting to go. Um, The Restaurant Association expressed support for increased vaccinations, but obviously it's worried about, well, who's going to enforce this mandate? Is the maitre d' or the waiter 
uh, or the management of you know some mom and pop outfit going to be required for throwing people out. De Blasio says there will be enforcement. It's probably gonna, obviously going to be spot enforcement for probably some of the bigger venues, just as a way of sending a message that this is now the requirement in New York City. Another thing that kind of got overshadowed with all the Cuomo news was this whole battle about eviction. I talked about on the podcast how the eviction moratorium had expired and President Biden was under very strong pressure from the liberal wing of his party um, to extend it. The problem is the Supreme Court had ruled that it was unconstitutional, that the CDC did not have the legal authority to keep extending this eviction moratorium. Look, no, nobody wants people to get kicked out of their homes or apartments because they can't pay the rent. And it was a reasonable thing to do during the pandemic. Uh, but what happened is, like a lot of people who did, didn't pay the rent because they didn't have to legally, they now owe all the back rent. And it could be a mess. It could affect at least a couple of million people. So Biden said, and his press secretary said, look, we would love to do this, but we can't. We don't have the legal authority. We've looked at it, and we just can't do it. We're looking at other ways, such as, as the president said yesterday, we already allocated all this money for housing assistance. It's in the hands of the state. We're talking about tens of billions of dollars. They've barely spent any of it. They don't even need us to send the money. That's the way it should be done. But yesterday, Biden caved. He did what political called a remarkable 180. After days of saying, no, we'd love to, but we can't, it's not legal, and so forth, Biden just kind of had the CDC extend this once again, extending the ban on evictions through October 3rd. Now, um, it's all, you can always find a lawyer to back up any position. But Biden himself had said, he publicly said, most lawyers agree this is not going to pass constitutional must, muster. But under political pressure from his left wing, he caved and, of course, this will be challenged in court, but is a way of buying time. It's exactly what the Democratic liberals wanted. National Review has an interesting piece saying, um, why exactly is it that the Centers for Disease Control get to issue a moratorium on evicting people if they're not able to pay their rent? Um, it's telling that Congress, which has been happy to spend trillions of dollars fighting COVID-19, has nevertheless declined to change the law. Perhaps because, legalities aside, it's realized the moratorium is making a mess. One of its core aims of these various relief bills has been to prevent unemployed Americans from getting behind on their bills. That's why you had the $2,000 stimulus checks and so forth, including rent, when they couldn't work. By adding an eviction moratorium, this is National Review's opinion, on top of all the spending, the aid, the child tax credit, and so forth, uh, the federal government has managed simultaneously to limit the immediate demand for, here's the figure, $46 billion rent assistance program. Why is that not being used? To discourage renters from finding work, I suppose we could debate that, and to ensure that the brunt of both problems will be felt by small-time landlords. And that's a fair point. But what what is it? Why does the CDC get to control the American rental units across America. It's nothing sort of astonishing, says National Review, and I agree. You could see it being a HUD program, maybe. The Centers for Disease Control, an agency that's supposed to be dedicated to science, gets to say who can be evicted and who can't be evicted. I mean, it just shows you how crazy government can be. And I guess Biden felt he had to cave. 
be interesting to see. I, you know, I'm not seeing much coverage, again, overshadowed by other stories, but criticizing Biden for doing a flip-flop. He said it was thought to be illegal. Now he's doing it anyway. Now, Biden said at his news conference, he didn't want to take the credit or blame. He says, well, the CDC will have an announcement on that in a couple of hours. Now, most presidents wouldn't leave it to the CDC. You would want to say, hey, I'm here for, for you, America's renters. I understand what you've been through tough times, so I'm extending this moratorium or I'm ordering the CDC. No, no, no. Biden is sort of allowing the fiction that it's entirely the decision of some other agency whose head he happens to appoint. Look, he doesn't like the policy. He can fire Rochelle Walensky tomorrow and put somebody in who will do what he wants. Now, I think that's fine for Biden to say, I'm not going to tell the Justice Department who to prosecute. I'm not going to meddle with the science. I'm not going to tell the CDC what its findings should be when it comes to the science of the coronavirus. But whether or not people could be evicted for not paying rent I mean, that's a government policy decision. Whether it should be or it shouldn't be, it is. So for Biden to just say, well, you know, that's not my department. Uh, talk to the CDC just seems to me to be a bit of a cop-out. Uh, there's a couple of pieces today, one in the New York Times, one by CNN's Chris Salissa saying Joe Biden's honeymoon is over. Salissa, uh, the CNN commentator, uh, goes through a whole laundry list of things saying, you know, look, Biden was getting a lot of credit when it looks like the virus was being beaten back. Now with the Delta variant surging, uh, that's contributed to a whole lot of problems for the president. Uh, also, says Saliza, the Biden administration is engaged in a circular firing squad over the CDC's recommendation that even vaccinated people should wear masks indoors. That's a complete and total debacle, and I've talked about that and written about that at length. Um, now he mentions the rent uh, business, which I think hadn't quite been resolved at the time that he was writing. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was sharply critical of Biden for not taking action on that. Maybe she's happy now. Then you have the number of unaccompanied minors at the border likely to hit an all-time high in July. So that story will come back. Uh, and then you have the infrastructure bill, which even if it passes... Uh, liberals are now uh, talking very loudly, especially in the House, about how dissatisfied they are with some parts of the Senate bill. Now, the question, says Eliza, is, is all of this a temporary blip, we're starting to see Biden's approval ratings drift down, or the start of a longer decline for Joe Biden and his administration? I don't think any of us can answer that right now because you have this huge elephant in the room, uh, metaphorically speaking, this huge question mark about how much worse is the virus surge going to get? What impact will that have on the economy? Uh, if it does impact the economy, if it delays reopenings, uh, if we are sort of in a us and them situation, vaccinated, unvaccinated, um, Joe Biden, just it just stands to reason you don't need a degree in political science to know that he's going to be less popular than he was a couple of months ago when it looked like America was breaking out and about to have a great summer. And one last item here, Barack Obama, has done a flip-flop as well. It was never a good idea, given the surging Delta variant, which is now like 80% of all the cases in America, so calling it a variant almost misses the mark, to have a big birthday blowout on Martha's Vineyard to celebrate his 60th birthday, which is actually today, but it was going to, the party was going to be in a few days. Now, yes, I know he hired a COVID coordinator, and yes, it was going to be outside, and so on and so on, but it just look tone deaf. First, it was 475 guests, then it was 700 guests, Oprah Winfrey and George Clooney and all of these luminaries. Well, now a spokesman for the former president says 
or they're going to significantly scale back the event. Well, no, they're canceling the party, and he'll celebrate only with family and close friends, which is what he should have been doing in the first place. The governor of Massachusetts, Republican Charlie Baker, uh, had said yesterday was not a good idea. What happened here is Obama got a lot of negative coverage for this. It just seemed to a lot of people that it was um, a failure on the part of the former president to realize that for him to have this huge celebration with all of these stars and all these people gathering together right after the incident in Provincetown, also in Massachusetts, uh, that turned out to be a bit of a super spreader event, just wasn't good politics, wasn't good optics. It seemed self-indulgent um, just so he could celebrate his birthday. So he'll celebrate with family and friends, I'm sure. I wish him a happy birthday. I think he made a mistake. I think he rectified the mistake. Uh, and now no big Obama bash. He will have a small party. Clearly, the former president was uh, politically adept enough to understand that this was playing horribly in the media, that even his usual allies were not defending him on this, and it was time to pull the plug on the big birthday bash. Well, thank you for listening. Stay safe. Hope you'll subscribe uh, to the podcast. Enjoy talking to you every day. Hope you enjoy listening. We're back here tomorrow with more BuzzFeed. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.